Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mike Armstrong podcast show. And uh, this morning, uh, we're joined by Dr. Raymond Davis, who is a senior international strategist, originally from the Midlands in the in England, in the UK, uh, but currently on the South Coast. So uh, how are you doing today, Raymond? You OK? I'm very well indeed. And uh, down here on the South Coast in Bournemouth, but um, not quite the weather to go to the beach, hence living down here. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It's a bit warmer than the Midlands, though, just a degree or two, I guess. Yes, yes. And then definitely uh, the great thing about here on the South Coast is it's probably the mildest weather. Very rarely do we have a fast or any snow. So as you go further north, the temperature deteriorates right the way up to Scotland. So uh, very fortunate to be down here on the South Coast. Nice, yes, nice, nice part of the world. Uh, a friend of mine lives in uh, Brighton, and I've been going down there before the pandemic quite a bit to see him do a bit of networking and all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I like going down on the south coast. But yeah, uh, there's so many beautiful towns along the south coast. You know, you, you're going all the way down to the Cornwall, Devon up there, across like Portland, yeah. Weymouth, uh, right the way across Bournemouth, and then of course all the way across to Brighton. There's just some beautiful places to visit. Yeah, some really nice places, some really nice places. So um, so tell us a little bit, senior international um, strategist, what do you do and how did you come about uh, getting involved in that? That's a great question and a hard one after, like, uh, in a sense, where do you start after uh, more than 30, 40 years almost uh, involved? Why did I evolve to this situation? It's really interesting, you know, if you're born in Birmingham, uh, right in the, as, as close as you can get into the centre of an island, uh, which is Great Britain. Uh, there's a great drive within you. What's out there? What, what is there out there beyond uh, Birmingham? And it was a great place I grew up in. I really enjoyed it. It really sets you up for uh, the adventure uh, in the world. And I had this burning desire um, to go out there. What is out there? And of course, part of the path we take is it's all very well wanting to go out there, but what in what persona will you go out there? Uh, I was fortunate enough to really enjoy studying. So um, that took me to university uh, uh, and, and the great university, Aston University. And I chose, and then you would understand this as a Welshman. Uh, I saw my father coming back from working in a factory and moaning about the managers. And I thought, you know what, living in a great industrial center like Birmingham, you know what, I want to go into industrial management. So um, I decided to do metallurgy. And metallurgy is great because you can be a scientist and an engineer and yes, but. And and also it opens a huge world to you in a whole lot of sectors. And I was so fortunate to get involved on the defense side and the international nature of defense side. Uh, That really set me on a path. Um, to go out there even within that type of career Uh, but the end of the cold war came about at the very time that I was crossing over for my PhD uh, and that was the moment I really decided to be an entrepreneur get out there with business an interrelation of business and that's really what set me on the track so I'm talking a lot of experience and most of my time has been outside the United Kingdom and living in a whole range of different places and absorbing those cultures yeah. and in relationship to their attitude to business and business opportunities. Yeah. So um, one of the main areas, if you like, of uh, a business and of um, international trade and all that sort of thing that you like to sort of concentrate on. Yeah, and I think um, it's really interesting as well because an alternate career for me, and I, I have a burning passion in politics, 
and really that kind of phase between uh, the environment in which we operate our businesses and the policies in which government apply, either that drives you in a particular business direction or creates the huge opportunities that government and government policy presents, both uh, within your own national and international arena. And what I realized between that crossover between being an entrepreneur and understanding the private sector, a, a desire to get involved on the policy side, that between that space, there are huge opportunities and you have a whole planet in which to play those opportunities. So I really found that sweet spot there operating in that space. And I would say there's not many of us, um, but it's a really important role and I embrace it. Yeah. Okay. That's a bit like, um, like me. I used to work in the tech sector and uh, I'm a sales and marketeer and there's not many people who are either technical or salesy. Yeah. There's not many people who operate in that, in that middle ground between both, if you like. And that's where I always operated. So I understand. Yeah, and it, exactly and I, I fully understand that as well, Mike, because, uh, you know, in my first business, you know, as a young graduate, uh, PhD, driving my own business, R&D business, uh, really building that business, and then all of a sudden get struck by the early uh, recession in the 1990s and having to sell that business on. In that recovery, uh, I, I wanted to find out wh why I couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to get out as a managing director. And part and parcel of that was enhancing my sales skills and negotiation skills, really understanding that. So I know you've done it as well, reading the best in the game. What is it? What is it about sales? And what makes sales difference from negotiation? Yeah. So I really got into that to such an extent. As I decided to be a business mentor and coach during the 90s and really taught a lot of businesses of all sizes and all sectors, those very skills that you talk about, Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's rare. It's rare that you have, you know, me with a PhD in metallurgy, yeah. you with a technical background as well. Going into sales is, is, is exactly that. That's a rare spot that you're, yeah. uh, space that you're into. Yeah, and I think those middle, those middleman spaces are, like you say, there is great opportunity because the either end of the scales, they can't communicate together a lot of the time effectively because they speak a different language. And so I, they need the translator. Absolutely, Mike. And I, I, it's really, I'm glad you put it that way. And it's, it's, it's unique in our kind of conversation here. We, that is exactly it. You, 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 what tends to happen is people tend, and it's understandable, see the world from where they're at because you have to put so much effort into it. How can you keep up with all the opportunities, all the and think about that on the government side and never the twain will meet. There needs to be that communication across. And I'm a great champion now where the old business model, one business at a time and you compete with a number, another one is so, you know, 19th, late 20th century. We have to collaborate together. And that means both within our kind of business environment and the translators that can do that, but also in communicating that with the government guys on the other side, we've got to communicate. We've got to do this better. So I, uh, and there are few, few of us because uh, it's, 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 you don't choose this, Mike. Can I say that? You no. evolve into it. it, it I know you will agree with me with that. I never chose this career. No. It was no. never my choice. It kind of evolved. Yeah. It's just because you've got the right ingredients to do it. And over time, as you as you experience different things in life and you see you see opportunity, I suppose, where no one else is filling that gap and you're just thinking, well, 
if not yeah, I just think you, you just then, hit it on the, the hit the head on the nail there. I, mm. I literally the whole of my life, I, the, the flow of opportunity that I see is continuous, and even more so now as you get wiser and, and, and better as a connector. I, th I think absolutely it's it's the vision of the opportunity. I, I must go back. It's really interesting. If everyone remembers the dot-com era, when literally you just had to put something with dot-com on it and set up a kind of situation, you could make a fortune just yeah. talking about it. Uh, and a huge bubble uh, that came about from that. I got involved with a lot of opportunities with that. And there was this kind of panic feeling with me. I mean, if I don't get this, it will pass me by. <laughs> oh my god this is my chance in my life and that was such a great lesson because in fact um that's not how it works these waves of opportunities keep They're coming constant. They're constant. constant and also the other aspect of it is the the, the increasing interference of governments yeah. in markets and entrepreneurship is creating more and more waves as they're trying to, rather than yeah. allowing the evolution of technology or the evolution of, of markets, and they're trying to control them, channel yeah. them. Yeah. And what they actually are doing are creating more opportunities in the space in between. Yeah. Uh, so the opportunities of which is being created by what I would say an overreaching government is incredible because each government's different in around the world. That's why they try to do this kind of collective control when they can't control the, I'd say, the natural evolution of opportunity. Yeah. And the people that see it so clearly yeah. and absolutely want to embrace that. So, for example, the phenomenon of Google, Amazon, I mean, in a sense, it's shutting the high street down. Is that what governments wanted? No, not at all. Yeah. So, you know, so here you go. You can't stop that explosion of on ideas and ideas that work and opportunities. Uh, and, and if you look at, at the planet as a whole, as I do, it's yeah. nonstop. Uh, and right, also yeah. the interrelation between that. And, so and, and, and it's only just begun. Yeah, it's only just begun, haven't it? It's only just begun. Yeah, you know, the whole globalization now, we're, we're nowhere near where it's going to be ending up. No, mm -hmm. and, and it's really funny because a lot of, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of PhD academic with me, you know, I'm starting to write in economic papers with, with some leading economic professors and all this type of thing. But basically, I believe the 2020s is going to be an explosion of ideas. Uh, whole sectors are going to leap into whole different ideas. I think the other thing was the pandemic has shown is the large companies have relied very much on their entrepreneurial type supply chains to create their balance sheets. Now they're the ones struggling. So this is a great freedom that can come. And I think the 2020s will be truly explosive in opportunities uh, and the evolution of what we are all together on this planet. And I'm excited for it, which is, Wild for me to say that in my late fifties. <laughs> I definitely am. Uh, I, I I thought because of the global uh, recession, uh, the credit crunch. Yeah, I thought that credit crunch was four or five years of pain with an elongated no growth period for five years, and then a little bit of green shoots, like you know. So it was like a it's like a ten year problem really, with you know, not not even being that great for the next two, three, four, five years. So fifteen year period, like yeah. Um, which is basically up till now. So we hadn't really recovered from it until this pandemic hit, like, you know, we were still yeah, just... Yeah, I, I, I would add further to that, Mike, because what's really been happening is uh, um, 
governments and politicians started fearing the the natural cycles of a capitalist yeah, the boom uh, and uh, bust like yeah the bust and, and the, so <laughs> they wanted to smooth that out so what they you know like all planners wanting to plan this and smooth it out they started to fall into the quantitative easing trap you know yeah. if the books yeah. don't balance just print more money yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the trouble is that what it's done is got brought them more and more into trying to control economies yeah. in our lives and the pandemic what i think was the ultimate end game yeah. Yeah, where yeah. they really piled in and doubled down on that. The, the 2020s now are going to be the rollback of government. Yeah. And how do we adjust when, in effect, is uh, um, controlled by quantitative easing, where they choose the winners, yeah, not the markets. Yeah, yeah. No. Back to true capitalism, where um, you know uh, capital goes to where it's going to be creating the wealth, rather than uh, we're going to set policy and direct where that, quantitative easing goes and i think the other thing for us in the uk there's been almost a deliberate policy to target entrepreneurs and directors and, and not support them even though they shut the economy down to me that was uh, an illustration of how much they're trying to control something you cannot control no, no, sorry, uh, and i that's why i'm excited for the future yeah. and but I was and thinking, I was thinking this, um, you and I have had, Mike, um, yeah. I think, I think in a sense, it, it's our time to help facilitate what's coming yeah. as we yeah, come out of lockdown. Yeah, because I was thinking like, you know, because of that situation, I thought, well, this pandemic situation could end up being 20 years. But actually, I, I've reassessed that calculation now because of all the innovation and the technology led by entrepreneurs. I myself think that this is going to be a really exciting time. I think I think there will be a struggle in the economy for a while because the, the, there's going to be a lot of fat, you know, cut off. Uh, you know, a lot of the companies that weren't going anywhere are going to be lost. I think there's going to be a massive boom of technology companies. You know, there was already tech dominating the the, the FTSE and that, but it's going at to just some, take at over some point. It. I, I, at some point, what's holding this back is government's fear. Yes. Um, you know, oh, my God, we're going to keep propping everything up. Uh, the other aspect is, of course, they're propping up what are known as zombie businesses, yeah. i.e. they can't exist without the government prop up. Yeah. Now, all that does is direct valuable resources away from the very entrepreneurs that were saying the very energy that can come in the recovery. I think the other aspect as well is, you know, it's all very well for us choosing to be entrepreneurs. A lot of people out there choose careers and jobs, and that's really important for them in the stability of their lives. So it's really adjusting those people. I think I've been hit particularly hard on the pandemic, and we can name the sectors, hosp hospitality yeah. being a classic one. Travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's about really the entrepreneurship in, in those type of sectors. And, men, and I would add the aerospace sector as well, in which I'm involved in. Yeah that allows the new energy to come in that creates those new jobs. Now there's a transition period in there and it's a painful one, but let it happen because it comes out in a whole new dynamic that brings in the stability and resilience that people need in their lives and, yeah. and jobs created. Yeah, I'm surprised the government haven't come up with a, like a big tax on uh, an online yet, like, you know, an online retail tax. I'm surprised that haven't come out yet because obviously that's one of the things which is giving the well, online as a massive advantage. Well, here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. The dilemma has evolved because, the, you know, the world's central banks are coordinating in the quantitative easing. Yeah. The issue that has now done is you don't have to be reliant on the tax base for your expenditure because you can just have the central banks print the money 
and, and, and with all due respect to our UK Treasury, they print it directly into the government budget. There is no bond market. It's just printed straight into the budget now. And most countries are like that. Don't, don't say I'm picking out on the UK. But what it is, is therefore they're not dependent on a tax base. Yeah. So they have to go through the motions that there is a tax base, but they're not dependent on it. They've gone yeah. way beyond that, and they have a, a big way, way beyond yeah. that. Um, so, you know, as Britain crosses its 100% point of uh, debt to GDP, what that means is even if all the money of all the UK economy paid the debt, it to, couldn't yeah. pay it off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, when it's uh, you know close to zero percent, which because this is what they're constructed, that's fine. But also the chancellor this time in our uh, 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 kind of um, looking at our finances in the UK, even now starts worrying about the amount we have to pay for interest at near zero percent. Because when yeah. those one percent go up, oh my god, that hits the government budget. Yeah. So I think that's part and parcel of the issue. I think there's a lot of fear. Whereas, what is it about being an entrepreneur? You see the fear as part of your drive for solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurs different. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm going to ask you about this because you know a bit more about this than me. But you know, we we seem to owe this money. We borrow more and more. It seems to be like a never-ending like tick. How can I get the number for this guy? <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm who, do because, who do we owe? Who do we no, owe? So here, here's, just... the, here's the crucial aspect because borrowing a debt uh, is okay. In fact, uh, it's really interesting because when I was working with a lot of um, uh, small businesses, large, growing small businesses uh, in the 90s as a business coach and mentor, I also kind of did a liaison with key banks at the time. Uh, and if I was a mentor, the bank would lend to the person because, of course, all oh, you've got, you know, you've got Dr. Davis involved with you. And the reason is that success in business means you're burning cash flow faster. And in burning cash flow faster, it takes longer to bring your income in. So all of a sudden, your debt position or your overlap position would grow, not because you're failing, because you're succeeding. <laughs> Now, that doesn't matter because you're driving the growth of a profitable business that will create the profits that can pay back the debt going forward. That notion has been lost because what's happening with government debt, that entails tax increases. That is actually a, a hindrance and a drag on that type of process. And that's the dilemma that the UK has got itself into and decided to go for the fiscal drag of taxing the very wealth generators coming out of the, this pandemic, yeah. which is a, a misunderstanding of how wealth is generated and the use of debt. So yeah. debt into the private sector can generate the wealth. Yeah. Increasing debt in governments can yeah, have the reverse effect. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't. And these kind of understandings are kind of confused in the debate that's going on. That's why yeah. I stay in that sweet spot because a lot of the work I do to create the international opportunities for my clients involves those dialogues with those governments. Yeah, well, what I don't understand is who do we owe and are they ever going to get their money back? Because I don't see them as surely, surely just like with a bad debt and a bank or a company at some point, they're just going to write it off. Well, what's happening at the moment is we owe ourselves called the Bank of England. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in the United States, the same thing with the Federal Bank, which is actually yeah. a private 
So we just we just owe ourselves basically. So yeah, we just, so we just owe ourselves. Yeah, uh, uh, but in the same way, it's creating this fantasy world of government can spend money until the end of time, and we all know this is weird. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then you know, uh, as entrepreneurs, you know, you're going well. We need the liquidity to grow and grow our businesses for what you want, but many times that can cancel what they want for their policy. Yeah, you see, so the you know, like the green energy drive to drive out fossil fuels needs government subsidy to create that because otherwise we would still be focusing on fossil fuels because it's cheaper. So you know, watching these distortions in the market also creates the opportunities in which to play in those spaces. If government's going to dominate in certain areas, uh, a whole green industry has grown from that. Uh, but then there's a space in between as the grid system um, can't always be wind. It can't be on and off. We still want electricity. So there's a whole lot of opportunity coming from the mismatch between policy and government-led uh, drive to the realities of what really happens on the ground. That's where the entrepreneur plays. That's where, that's where money is made. What do you think is going to happen like soon? There's going to be a lot more AI and you know, robots. It's already happened in the uh, manufacturing sectors or whatever. It's going to be happening more and more and more and more and more sectors, yeah? Do you think at some point there's going to be, be like a state salary, basically, and then just, you know, business just, happening or how do you see that that sort of future panning out see that's a great question i think you can't stop the digitalization and the evolution to artificial intelligence i wouldn't say without artificial intelligence at the moment what we have is the ability to look at data and predict future from that rather than an artificial mind in it but but those wet those envelopes are being pushed what it's really looking for is efficiencies of productivity in whatever we do. And then they call them blockchains or whatever you think. So that revolution is happening. You can't stop it, but it's a positive thing. Yes. Now, within that, though, um, it comes in. And I think you're talking about the human interaction with the robots and everything. Literally, the term given for that is cobots, believe it or not, <laughs> where by working with that, it actually improves what we are in our businesses or as humans. And now that's a real positive thing. And that kind of revolution that's happening in the health and care space, I think is very exciting towards personalized medicine, healthy aging, and all the consequences of that, i.e. we become productive way into our 70s and 80s. Now that's an economic boom right there. So, it, but like everything else in these technological changes, and we can look at history, there's going to be displaced people that we really need to be taking care of. That's where I think the whole minimum income comes in. And in the strangest of ways, it being there could be the safety net we need. Yes. Yeah. So in, in that transition of the world gets wealthier, that, that everyone has a minimum income basis yeah. in which to, uh, uh, adjust to a more wealthier situation i don't think that's a bad thing yeah my, my thought process is is to help people get towards that is to do i don't know why people don't do it i think it would work really really well I just thought wonder what your thought process is and that's a three-day weekend you know because it would it would be like a, a middle ground move towards that i think it would help with unemployment and stuff because you could have people working the three-day shift or the four-day shift yeah and, it, and actually, people would have a better the, life balance. The only problem with the guy, again, you're bringing in government policy to choose, uh, in a sense, uh, making labour more expensive for entrepreneurs. Mm. 
So, you know, I, I, I hear why you're saying that, but that, that brings a cost consideration for entrepreneurs and building their businesses and employing people. That actually adds to the cost of labor. So therefore you need huge improvements in productivity to allow that balance. Yeah. I think, which I think would you, actually come, by the way, if you give people three days. No, off, I think, and, and, and the reason I'm jumping in is for some businesses, that's great. You want fresh staff, you yeah. want live staff. And I think a lot of the revolution, you know, I, I, I lived a long time in Seattle on the West Coast. That was very much understood. Get your, get your people comfortable, uh, give them as much leave as they want. Uh, but they bring back their passion and dynamism to your business. Absolutely. Allow that type of freedom and let that happen. But I do, I do not think it should be a government dictate. No, uh, no. that's just, that's my view as a capitalist. So that's more, why. more, more uh, uh, an economic driver based on results, yes. you know. Yes, yes. Just so, like the work-life balance or the work from home now is proven to be in some sectors is proved to be give your staff a better life and they'll do more yes. for you. Absolutely, and I think I think again this pandemic has proved that that a lot, of, particularly of the uh, uh, accounting firms. And the law firms have found the productivity of their people at home is higher than when they're in the office. Yeah. So absolutely. The thing is, I think this is where the mix and the interface in which I work. Government policy meaning wealth yeah. could have unintended consequences in the world that generates wealth, which is the entrepreneurs yeah. and businesses. Yeah. And because now in the modern world, you have to perform at such a like more and more people are in those boxes, not understanding the unintended uh, consequences, consequences yeah. so you know us working in the middle space allows that communication allows yeah. those principles to go forward but under a more flexible framework which is freedom of choice and again i'm just pulling across my political views as well so you know yeah. capitalism and freedom of choice but enabling people to be able to have those choices is really what you're talking about yeah, yeah, definitely. And another one, I'm, I'm into, you know, creating innovation and creativity with the uh, um, public sector, if you like, because I just don't think there's enough of it goes on in that sector, like, you know, because they're couldn't not entrepreneurial more, minded. Agree you more, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree more. yeah. yeah. And, and so another one which I've thought of as well is rather than give everyone their dole money, right, when people are on the dole or on the sick or whatever, right, why don't they just give them like a year or two of it, yeah? And, and allow them a mentor, which could be government controlled, right? And allow them to go and do whatever it is that they want to do in life, right? That's going to make them some money. So there's a lot of people on the door, for example. And the reason they stay on there for a long time is because they can't get a job doing what they want, right? Well, so it's, it's really interesting, Mike, you're saying that. I think one of the huge things is a mental health journey you go through, yeah. you know, yeah. the experience. If you feel disempowered, yeah. you know, you can be in a mental health where like, you just, can't get out there you can't do the stuff you need to so i know what you're saying in many ways having a life coach yeah or or someone who says gets to know you and say look uh, you know let's get you in the right frame of mind yeah. for what do you want from what your is life it, yeah, what, what do you, do you want for your life, your life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and i think that that way will get more dynamism in the way that you're saying i think you and I see the big Welsh flag behind you. There's a real danger in Wales because it's geography. You can really get into that de depressed state, and that happens yeah. a lot in the valleys, as we yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when really, if the jobs were there, if the uh, remit to have a life was there, they they would engage. Uh, which so again, I think it's a mixture of um, sometimes people need a lot more of that kind of coaching 
to overcome the barriers that are happening around them. Uh, so I think, it's a mixture, yeah. really, Mike. I, I, I think, I see no, this I, as I a think the public sector could just, you know, get rid of these problems much easier by investing in the pro pro problem oh, rather really than funny. just putting a bandage really over it. Because like. you, you jump to the public, the, yeah. the public sector. I always say private sector. I, I see government. All government should really do is set the environment in which to live our lives. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be dictating to it. And they shouldn't, in a sense, be setting up the programs which they deem would work. And they go through these program cycles all the time. They yeah. try to mix it with the private sector. But really, they're trying to, how can I say, correct our lives. And, and every life is unique. Yeah. But we need a journey that gives us purpose for our life. I think that's what it really is. And including bringing up families and the closeness of families. But we need the means in which to have wealth to do that. We need yeah. the means of an income to do that. Uh, and I think government tends to fall into the trap of saying you're costing us money. Yeah. Yes. Rather yeah. than let's set you on the path for life yeah. for a life yeah. that you want and yeah. would desire. Yeah, it's just like these houses at the valleys. If you give them enough money to start a coffee shop or a car garage or just something that they felt valued for, then they'd be a great worker and a great asset for 40 years or whatever. But because they start off with nothing and they've got, they've got no desire, no drive, no opportunity, I, they start off with nothing, you get nothing out of them. They just I think there's the a burden. real danger though, Mike, because I think you know this and we can talk like this. You, not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur or in no, business. No, for I obvious reasons, it's yeah, a tough yeah. life. Uh -huh. An exciting life, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of people are looking for those uh, uh, solid, reliable jobs that give them a steady income profile. Um, uh, you know, wherever it is, whether it's, you know, working at a coffee uh, cafe type yeah. situation. And I see that a lot in uh, Wales and the Valleys as well, uh, what that brings in. But you, you need the economic engines that create those type of jobs. So you can, uh, if we talk Port Talbot, you can imagine what it's like with the steel company yeah. there, uh, Tata Steel, and what it will be like without it. So yeah. I'm a great believer, and that's where my focus is, is creating those economic engines uh, that yeah. create those situations where you create the jobs as well as encourage those entrepreneurs that create the jobs. But yeah. there's a critical mass of the economic activity that enables that to happen. Now, the governments can be involved in that, and they are, and they're attempting that. So to me, that's where I come from in this philosophy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, what, that. really, that's, that's really what I do around the world, to be quite honest. Yeah, but again, again, uh, you know, if the governments were to set up, give some entrepreneur who has experience big wedge of uh, of of, of in, you know, capital to in inject into, for example, you know, green factories, you know, factories where they're working on, you know, um, new green uh, innovations and technologies and stuff, because you know we've got. Um, deadlines to meet and stuff and targets to meet in, in various so what, different... So what agreements. you have, and I'm going to help you here, Mike, yeah. because the only thing I have to say is DeLorean, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> so that was the route taken at the end of the 70s in, yeah. in the DeLorean car factory in Northern Ireland, and it didn't uh -huh. turn out well no. uh, because another chunk of money was needed and it wasn't provided by then the transition Thatcher government. So yeah. governments had this fear really yeah. deriving from a, a DeLorean type situation or yeah. even the nationalized industries like we had before British, uh, you know, yeah, British yeah. still, yeah. there's a fear in governments of uh, overdoing that. So what they've created is a whole bunch of kind of agency type situations, um, yeah. encouraging people into business um, 
and, and cross-subsidizing that at a lower level when in fact we've got to find and put that real capital behind those entrepreneurs and businesses that can really deliver rather than denying them that and government trying its hiddly piddly way of, of not doing as directly as you said, but using agents and other people to choose who are the winners and who are the losers. Yeah, well, they invested that's, an order that's the confusion that's happening yeah. in government policy. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they invested, and, um, and we entrepreneurs can lead that much more yeah. effectively. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Well, they invested a load of money into banks, for example, right, and to keep the banking institutions going, which was needed to be done because if they go, it, you know, trust goes and there's a chaos, right? So they needed to do that, but they could easily invest the same sort of money into, you know, like I say, in in these like. Um, Places where they've lost all their minds and they've lost all their industries, and that and now it's just drug addicts living in terraced houses and this bleak and that. They could easily just set up a, a green windmill factory, or they, I don't know, the, they, the, the, or they the could find a that, local guy and invest in it. Right? That, the issue with that is the, and I think part of the digital revolution is really good, is, is the in the past, coming out of the 19th century, communities used to be dominated around one industry. And yeah. I think Wales was particularly that situation yeah. and it's really difficult to transition once that's gone into a more diverse economy and that's that's actually been the Welsh government's attempt to create that in Wales but they've overdone the foreign direct investment rather than like you're saying Mike investing in local business investing yeah. in local entrepreneurs I think and it's unique here in the UK I think we've got a unique opportunity to do that I think other countries recognize that as well because of the pandemic. We've really got to look, be able to sometimes take care of ourselves. What, what should yeah. we have around us in businesses and infrastructure and stuff like that? So in the strangest way, I think this is a great opportunity to really, I'm going to say, trust the private sector, trust the entrepreneurs that they're much more effective in creating that type of environment. And, and that's the passion where I'm at, where I can help that happen in those type of areas it's okay what's missing here what's here what what can we add into it to create that massive activity that creates the very situation you're doing so i'm a great champion for the private sector should be leading that not 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 the government no i i i and i agree too but i just think the government in what they do while they're already spending money in i just think there's better ways they can spend that money because the problem is again i think with with uh, well can i add in this mike they're not exactly spending money they're creating it well yeah Uh, (laughs) and in creating it they're distorting um and in a sense at some point they've got to step back and trust entrepreneurs in the private sector and i would say local communities uh, it's almost letting go. Don't fear. Embrace. Um, I think you know the connectability that is now happening around the world. I and mean, we've we've just yeah. you know we've talked before. You know all kinds of phenomena are happening where that connectability is removing the borders and what can be brought together is just so powerful yeah. through the whole uh, social media uh, arena. Uh, and uh, you know we've talked about Clubhouse, which is allowing those dialogues to happen across the world to bring some yeah. real great things together. So it, it's almost the governments need to relax a little, can I put it that way, and yeah. really embrace what can come uh, from uh, entrepreneurs, private sector, and local communities. Now, by the way, some uh, uh, devolved uh, um, uh, economies and mayors are attempting this by saying, here's a fund, come up with some ideas so we can seed fund you. Now, I love that type of idea from the government. So the government's not saying you have to meet a criteria. They're saying, what ideas are there out there? Yeah. And we'll seed fund that. 
Perfect. That's what government should be doing in the very way that you're saying. They should, yeah. So a lot of that's happening at a local level, uh, particularly with partic more enlightened political leadership. So yeah. it's kind of happening. We need more of that. Yeah, I think I think I think personally in the job centre, places like that, people should be a, they should be able to go in and pitch an idea, a bit like with a bank, you know, go in, pitch an idea, they assess your idea, give you somebody to help you put it off. You know, you sh there should be a lot more of that going on, and there should be. Um, I well, think I, again, also... I, I will come in with a proviso though. Uh, yeah. Really, uh, people being given an option of entrepreneurship yeah. instead of a job, yeah. I think is fundamentally yeah. well, schools should schools should train people with the two different options as well like you know yeah and understand what those options mean yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes uh, and i think there's a real danger at the moment so for example there's a big push here in the uk you know for innovation and everything to get uh, a lot of new startups and innovative startups and really pump prime them with cash the problem with that is when do you wean yourself off that government yeah. cash and become an actual business and that's the problem. They're, they're setting up a lot of young people to fail. The statistics are huge. Two-thirds of businesses will fail within 10 years. Yeah. Half within five. Yeah. One third. Quarter in the no, first no, no. two years. The, the, and the problem being, so, though, so, so, because everyone's being taught to become a, uh, an employee, right, and not an entrepreneur in schools, so therefore they're not, they're not entrepreneurial-minded. Whereas if, if, if the schools had covered both... You know the the job way and the entrepreneur way. Probably more of the businesses would, would succeed because they'd have more skills to be able to succeed. Uh, again, in business, there's a whole variety of reasons why you go out of business, and yeah. the other aspects as well. Just because you fail in business doesn't mean you're a failed entrepreneur. Yeah. Far from it. You're going well, cash, through a journey. Cash goes the main reason, and that's because yeah, people yeah. aren't taught sales. Through a journey. It's too uh, <laughs> but, but in the same context. Uh, some are more suited for that monthly pay pack at the end of the month and, 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 and to honestly understand that or they go that route and then at a later stage go into business. So yeah. I think there needs to be a, bit, a much more psychological understanding uh, the difference between a job and, and an entrepreneur and in the same context in that give those options like you're just saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, not, think... they're just encouraging it. Because there's no alternative. Because how do we create the jobs? Type of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think if there was an entrepreneur, you know, uh, class in school, and they taught sales and marketing, and you know, recruitment and HR and things like that, <laughs> then people could choose whether you wanted to go in and get a job, you know, with your geography and your history. I, I, and I've been very fortunate in teaching young people. Yeah, so yeah. you know, at college level, sixteen to eighteen, uh, uh -huh. uh, and also at university level. Um, the, the great aspect about that, I think you're right. There is a way to nurture that through the education system, absolutely. Um, but, but in the same context, we need to create those local environments that gives that choice, yeah. job, entrepreneurship. Um, and, and I think the governments are getting themselves all confused. Uh, and also the foreign direct investment idea is so 20th century to bring a big business in because then it will create the jobs. In fact, economically and, and statistically, that's not what happens. The jobs get created by a more dynamic entrepreneurial SME base than bringing in a large company. And the reason I'm talking like that, uh, that's the Welsh way. Bring a big company in and it creates jobs. Uh, no, you really need to be targeting your SME base, bringing oh, them up and taking them to market capture. And that's proved, uh, and as a couple of the economic papers are involved in, that is absolutely the new phenomenon, which is fantastic for what you're saying. Because in the sense, we need lots of those startups 
with people who realize the journey that they're taking lots of support in that but from other people in the private sector and other businesses so collaborating together in supply chain and then using that leverage to lobby to government to create the environment and the investment environment that then further grows that forward under that private sector leadership that's 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 my particular passion uh and i think the other huge aspect for me why am i back in britain because of the whole Brexit global Britain situation, I suddenly realized there's a huge opportunity for Britain, not only to do that within our own country, Mike, but to take that to our great friends around the world. And that's exciting. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, that's a great place, I think, to leave it there, really. So um, tell everyone a little bit about uh, how they can get in touch with you, where they can follow you. Um, how do they contact you if they, if they listen to this and they want to you know, maybe have a chat with you or do some business? How do they do that? So the great thing is I'll bring in because we kind of work together on Clubhouse, Mike. Clubhouse is great. You can DM me there straight into my Instagram account. The other great space in which to do it is, of course, on LinkedIn. And I'm Dr. Raymond Davis, which is pretty distinct. And actually, you'll see the picture, what you're seeing at the top of here behind my face. So you know that you can LinkedIn and start a dialogue there. And uh, I look forward to people reaching out because it's by working together that will change this world. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm big into collaboration and, you know, Clubhouse and LinkedIn, a place like that, anywhere where people can globally collaborate and, and you know, put, uh, you know, good minds together from different experiences and different walks of life. I think that's the best way of solving most of the world's problems and, and, and actually, you know, coming up with great, you know, solutions for, for not just solving problems, but actually just giving people what they want out of life and other, you know, just giving them, you know, either appealing to their desires, whatever, giving them something they want or helping solve some problems, giving them some solutions that they may need. So whichever way around I couldn't around agree more, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank Brilliant. you. Yeah. So uh, anyone wants to collaborate with myself or with Ray, reach out to us and uh, we love uh, speaking with people. So uh, nothing else really left for me to say, really, other than having a great day. I know I will. Cheers for coming on, Ray. Thank you. Wish you all the best. Bye-bye. And you too, Mike. Bye.